You're listening to the Spirit Hunters on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Find out how to join our new Discord group and support the show at patreon.com slash spirithunterpod. Erotica is drowning. And welcome to Season 2, Episode 30 of the Spirit Hunters. This is Sarah. Patrick. Joe. He's not joking either. And last time uh, we saw Karapika um, after he survived a non-quarantine complying game of Among Us, he managed to land a gig as one of the bodyguards of the mysterious Flesh Collector. Meanwhile, Gon and Kila arrived at York New City and began their search for the most elusive game in the world, Greed Island. This week, it's all about reunions, auctions, heists, mafias, and badass battles. You better get ready! So today, the first thing we're covering is episode 42, Defend and Attack, Mamoru to Semeru. Originally released in Japan on August 5th, 2012, the equivalent manga chapters are 71, 72, and 73, which were released in Japan on April 4th, 2000. Hey, 4-4, baby. Happy birthday, Kurapika. And uh, the equivalent 1999 eps... 51 and 52, which were released in Japan on December 23rd, 2000. Alright, so it starts off September 1st in New York, New City, where the boys group up again. Walk around, walking around an auction area in the city, but the real underground auction, which is weirdly above ground, starts later on. This is actually called the Normie Auction, where, you know, they, they, it's low stakes, you know, dumb, Little knickknacks, you know, old video games, phones. I don't know if you ever been on the East Coast. It's kind of like that. I don't know if you ever been to like the the flea markets or like the those little market things, Joe. Oh or yeah, man. I I used to go to flea markets as a kid with my family, but like there there's some here actually as well. But just like I've never really gone to uh, Arizona flea markets, partially because it's so fucking hot. Yeah, I was about to say that's the reason I don't go is because uh. I don't want to die of dehydration trying to look for old NES games. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, uh, Kill was annoyed that Gon doesn't have a phone just for pics of this wet. So they go to a vendor who sells them and oh, meets... the pictures? He sells yeah. the pictures? No, no, yeah, he, Gon doesn't have a phone just for picture of, pictures of, uh, Kill was wet ass something. <laughs> anyways, they go, they go to a vendor who sells them and meet, sells phones and meets up with Problematic boy Leorio, who in his in his nice Christ-like action buys Gon and Killua the Beetle Zero Seven, aka the Beetle Morpher. So Behold they become the big my... bad Beetle Borgs. Metallic. Big bad Beetle Borgs. Metallic. Hell Don't yeah. you guys miss when cell phones were just so bulky that if you drop them, it would just break the concrete instead of breaking the phone. Absolutely. I missed my little, my little clip on. I actually had one of those phones that I like, clipped on your belt, your belt loop. It was so friggin' like boomer-esque, but it actually worked pretty well. I'm not gonna lie. Lil. I, uh, speaking of breaking your phone, I have recently gotten into the bad habit of, you know, in like martial arts movies, how when someone's using a knife, oftentimes if their hand is trapped, they like toss it between their hands to like get a different slash angle. Yeah. Okay, I've recently just been like, oh, you know what, man? I fuck my phone, and like, I just like toss it between my hands now like, when I want to <laughs> like do anything for some reason, and it just seems like the most dangerous shit, and I can't stop now. Like, this hey, has is... been my quarantine addiction. 
Do you have a like a case and everything on it, and like a gorilla glass on the screen? I have a case, but no gorilla glass. So Ooh, I'm playing dangerously, my friend. I was gonna say I'm raw dogging it, then I'm like, well, that's not raw dogging. I'm like half raw dogging. <laughs> the the condom is half on. Yeah, that was that was gross. That was a gross comparison. I'm, I apologize to that audience. Mustache on or off? Half off, on, please. Too bad. Too bad. <laughs> Lirio tries to flex about knowing Nen, but only really knows Ten at the moment. To the amusement of the boys, uh, f- really clowning on him. Like, how you only know Ten? Jeez, this guy's a moron. You believe this guy though? Just Ten? Come on. They're getting more and more New York as time goes on. <laughs> yeah. Hey, forget about Lirio. Let's go get a, a cannoli and a, a pizza pie. They've been in Shin York too long. Shin York. <laughs> when do they go to Shin Jersey? Oh, Jersey, Jersey Shin. Jersey Shin, I'm sorry. Jersey Shin. Uh, like that's where they meet up with Polly. It's like Leorio, the millennial, versus Gone and Kilua, the, the Zoomers. And they just, and they just totally dragged him <laughs> for yeah. his they, lack they of knowledge. To... <laughs> like, hey, cool kids. I'm still a kid. Do you remember the 90s? <laughs> remember when, remember when there's two big bills? Oh, okay, that was fucked up. Never mind. Uh, that is how the episode began, though. Well, <laughs> not in this version. The episode had begun and begonin. Uh, so essentially, uh, essentially, Gon tells Lero about their intent to buy Greed Island, and they hatch a plan to make Buku bucks. Also, I didn't know that's how you spelled Buku. I always thought it was like B-O-O-K-O-O, but you know. Yeah, it's weird because in French, I think that's actually pronounced Boku rather Boku. than Buku. But yeah, in English, everyone says Buku. That's what all the all, all Jersey people say: the Buku Bucks, making some Buku Bucks yeah. at Atlantic City, baby. It's to the point where I knew both the words and never put them together as like one thing until I got older. Oh. Yeah, but let's make some. But they're gonna make some Buku Bucks and kill a determined season enhancer. Oh, did you add that or did I add that? I'm pretty sure you added that, right, Joe? I didn't remember adding that. Uh, I, I didn't, I don't think I added that. I think it's Kilua guessing that, uh, Leorio is an enhancer for, like, the idea of him being an idiot or something. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, it's also not- minded a- and determined. <laughs> it's also not accurate. He's one off. Yeah. Like, but like, I won't get into that because they haven't talked about it yet in the series. Anyways. Alright, so let's cut to a big boy Maluki getting frustrated that he can't replicate the game. So he gets a small loan of 15 billion Jenny from his father- for 15 people killed, and goes to buy a copy of Greed Island at the auction in his hot blimp mobile. Or does he go to the airport to go to on a plane? I don't know. But it's shown that he hasn't left the house in, what, 15 years or 12 years? Uh, I don't think it's been that long. I forget, but I don't think it's been that long, because that would mean he hasn't left since he's like four or something. Uh, that's a, that's what it said, at least in the uh, the manga, but maybe I misread that. But... Uh, yeah, he's been getting a lot of uh, Amazon deliveries of his hentai figurines. Man, imagine <laughs> the box with those big that those big life size ones. They actually—I I wouldn't be surprised if they came in parts. You know, if you in the audience know the for a fact whether these come in parts or by themselves, please don't message us. Yeah, it reminds me of that one guy that got the the one piece statue and it, like smashed to a million pieces. That life size <gasps> Luffy. Oh wow, that would. <laughs> That's. That's heartbreaking. <laughs> Can't imagine how much money that that person spent. Did you guys see the comments that went around like right after that? What's what was it? This was when people were taking down Confederate statues, and so people were like, "Oh my god, protesters have gone too far." <laughs> <laughs> 
They're protesting about all the sh- all the shitty uh, the shitty filler and recap. Well, they shouldn't take it out on him. There's other characters where that's a bigger problem. Just just go just go to his just go to the Mangaka's house and knock over his Luffy statue. Uh, not his fault either. It's the anime only. It's to it's toy animation that like stu- the cat. Yeah, the kill the fucking cat. <laughs> just go knock go to Toei Studios and knock down some Goku statues or something. I don't know. Tear them down, whatever. But uh, anyways, uh, going back to Gone and the Gang, started a conditional auction where a person who beats Gone at an arm wrestling match gets a rare diamond worth three million jenny. Hustle game is real, and they need Gone to seem beatable, but still not lose. Kind of like uh, kind of like in, in Fresh Prince with the uh, the pool, or actually Drake and Josh with also the the pool. I think those are both based off of like an old uh, pool movie. I forget the name of. Hustle and Flow? No. Uh, <laughs> it's from like the 60s or earlier, I forget, but fuck it. Anyways, continue. Yeah, anyways, cutting, cutting back to the Golden Wind team, they're tasked to guard the auction, and Squala, with Squala and Dalzone, will guard their boss. Note, Dalzone, was it Dalzone? Dalzone? Uh, okay, how do they say it in the 2011 version? Because I've been mostly just like they watching like 99. never say and, like, it. Okay, because like, depending on... Some subs say Dalzo, Dalzone, others say Dalzolene, meaning that like probably they simplified it for one of the versions or maybe like either mouth flaps like with sentence structure or one of them was like, oh, this isn't a real Italian name, so we'll make it seem more like one. But it's either Dalzone or Dalzolene. Of course, there's always the possibility that they just completely fuck it up and call him Dalzone. Yeah, like a calzone. Yum, yeah. <laughs> but well, the, a calzone but, but... is technically a calzone. Calzone. So we're not. I'm not a hundred percent wrong. Just yeah, it, it can be a lot you're, of problems. Uh, you're just like right, almost on the mark. Um, I'm, I'm almost there, like a little bit off. The only way to settle this would be to look at the kana in the manga, which none of us want to do right now. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Dalz. I'll just call him Dalzone. Anyways, note Dalzone and the Hunter Hunter Japanese dub is voiced by the same actor as our favorite Asato Kito from Yu Hakusho. Or as a lot of people know him from, as Dio from JoJo, Takashito Kuyasu. Takahito Kuyasu. Takahito Kuyasu. Kuyasu. I'm I'm bad at this. Sorry, guys. Uh, going back again to the Gong Gang, they're wiped <laughs> out contestant after contestant. But Killua realizes they need about eight eight hundred thousand eight hundred thousand eight hundred nine. It was a eight hundred thousand eighty nine. Fuck. 889,999 wins. There we go. Needs that many wins for the 8.9 billion Jenny, and that's only for the opening bid. That's about 618 days of straight arm wrestling to gain enough money. Okay, I want to take, I want to take umbrage with this. His math is not wrong, but he's neglecting the idea of seed capital. Are you guys familiar with what seed capital is? No. Is this what you need to like kind of start a business to like, the yeah. initial money? So basically, you have to do something less efficient for seed capital. That's just how business works. And then after that, you have a more efficient money-making scheme once you've made enough money to make more money. I see. So basically, they could have been doing this and do something else. They could have done it. They could have started with this and then done something else after it. So while Kilua is right that Leorio's plan is wrong, he is wrong in thinking that it is a waste of their time because it is actually what they should definitely be doing to start. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think 
The thing is that Leorio, in all honesty, is not that smart, and I think he actually ex- expected just to keep doing this to make enough money. So, I agree, but I think there's, like, a cultural—I think there's—so, there may be an accidental commentary on class here, because often when you ask people who don't come from money how they would make money, they come up with schemes— or job opportunities that will not make them more money in the long run, but are just nice and easy in the short run. While, you know, Kilua coming from like an incredibly rich family probably is aware of higher, like higher growth investments. And so like, this is like a weird, possibly accidental cultural commentary about how Leorio is actually very smart with money when it comes to small sums, but incredibly dumb, like as demonstrated by his ability to negotiate like no other, but is incredibly dumb with money once it gets past a certain amount. I gotcha. Yeah, no, I, I'm just basing off of what he actually said because what Karapika, or sorry, what Kilwa said for that. So, oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I, I think that on the face of it, it is right, but I do think it is interesting that they accidentally conform to behaviors you see with people with varying degrees of like inherited financial literacy. I gotcha. Well, we'll we'll see in the future. We'll see if they actually start a a. A seed fund and start a business of their own, where whether it be, uh, I guess, mercenary work, a hitman, or maybe even a pizza shop. You know, three guys in a pizza. Was it three guys in a pizza shop, or was it the pizza shop? Anyways, yeah, something in a pizza shop. Three boy Paulies in a pizza, whatever. Anyways, uh, after a while, some mysterious goth goyle comes to arm wrestle him and he uses all his strength to defeat her. After noticing she's using Nen. He ends up winning, and she takes the win with stride. She regroups with her friends, who are part of the Phantom Troop, Oof. and they cl- and they clown her for using her weaker arm rather than her stronger left hand. She says she only did it because Gon extended his right hand first, and she extended hers out of politeness. Uh, going back to uh, the, the Passione team, uh, Neon throws a fit when she learns she can't go to the auction, and eventually tires herself out, and they vow to go to the auction in her stead to bid. Uh, Melody and Kropika look over the auction, waiting for the Fanatru to appear. Melody picks up picks up on his heartbeat and catches on that Kropika is actually a Kurta. After some discussion, Melody reveals that she is a music hunter, looking for a certain music score called Dark Sonata, or Sonata of Darkness. A solo said to be composed by the devil himself with four parts, violin, piano, flute, and harp. If one human plays or hears it, however, disaster will occur to them. Kropika asks if it's just a rumor, and Melody shows him her shows him her fucked up arm. She heard one of the movements of the flute solo that her friend played, and turned her into what she is now. Her friend, however, died horrendously with her entire body looking like Melody's arm. She Melody reveals they got super drunk and decided to try it out. And remember, kids, the best decisions are made when you're drunk. Don't drink and play music. Exactly. While Melody lost her looks, she gained something more valuable, her nin ability. Her goal is still strong, though. Restore her body and destroy the sheet music so no one will befall her or a friend's fate ever again. A little piece of trivia. Uh, apparently, Melody's Japanese name, which they do say, uh, is Senritz, which literally, like, so there's two ways of writing it, one of which is Melody, and the other, if written with different kanji, can mean to shudder. And I think that can both be, like, the gravity and terrifyingness of her backstory, and maybe also her physical appearance, like, what happened. I gotcha. Also, uh, this isn't really confirmed, but I thought it was interesting that it sounds similar to the story of the Devil's Trill Sonata, 
by Taratini, I believe that's what his name is, and how he how he was sleeping and and he had a dream where a devil he uh he joined the devil so and became his servant so he can teach him music, and the devil played a, a violin a song on violin that was so magical and wonderful that he tried to re- to re- to recreate it, and he tried his hardest but he can only go so far. And he said that his song is basically garbage in comparison to what the devil played. So, so in his dream, I think that's definitely a possible influence. I'd add another one, which is the H.P. Lovecraft story, "The Music of Eric Zahn," which is about basically a piece of music that's played frantically in order to like fend off like an oncoming darkness. But in this case, it attracted it. So I don't think either is a one to one match. But I I do think it's interesting that there's a lot of stories about the devil either teaching music or things like that. Because if you think of the uh, Devil Came Down to Georgia, or the song Tribute by Tenacious D, like similar similar lines of thought. I th- yeah, I think I think it's all it's all based on the idea of just the showdown with a powerful devil, and just that I guess that uh, I guess that trope, I suppose, which I think is I really like the trope. I love Devil, I love Tribute, I love uh, I love the was is another song Beelzebub, Beelzeboss, whatever from uh, the Tenacious D movie. Oh, okay, is that? Interesting, because like I, it, I would figure they would only do one story about like one song about like facing off against the devil in a rock battle. Yeah, it's it's basically just it's basically just what tribute was based off of. So it's it's energy. Oh, it went that direction, huh? It went that direction. Yeah, because at the end of it, they're like they're they try to replay the song, but they completely forgot how it went. And I don't think it, they play tribute after that. It's just like a reference throwback to the idea of tribute, where they couldn't play the greatest song to beat the devil. But it's just a tribute to that song. Ah, uh, okay. Which I thought was interesting. Uh, that's a great movie, by the way. If you need good movie, watch Tenacious D. Lots of uh, interesting stuff in that movie. Cock I've never seen the movie. Just my friends were really into the album back in the day. Yeah, the movie's really fun. There's basically a scene in the movie, and I guess trivia, the, the guy that voices the devil and sings in his voice, actually, in Beelzebub, is Dave Grohl. Nice. Yeah, so he plays the drum on that entire album and does that devil thing. Does that devil thing. Does the devil act. He acts, he plays the devil's voice and he does the song. And he also played the drums live with that song, but he didn't sing in it, weirdly enough. Interesting. Yeah, maybe you just can't do both at the same time. But anyways, uh, going on to the Hunterpedia, did, uh, you want to cover that, Sarah? Um, so Hunterpedia for this episode is all about Basho and his amazing haiku abilities. Uh, gone. Attempts to write a haiku, but he fails because he keeps on adding too many syllables. Uh, which, <laughs> who wrote this? Kind of like Patrick last week. Shady. Ooh. Shady. Shady, 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 shady. But yeah, uh, yeah, but, uh, let's go into the, uh, the manga notes in that case after that, uh, that shadiness. So sad. Uh, uh, the differences, um, Basically, uh, in the, in the manga, it seemed like, uh, it seemed like Karapika was a little bit more aggro towards Melody when she found out that he, that he was a Kurta. So she was like, I don't want to die until you're percep- perceptive. So I th- think, uh, Karapika was a little bit more threatening and not as friendly at the time. Uh, g- going down a little bit, it's showing the, the, the violent, it looks, I like the way the devil was illustrated here. It's not as, I think it's a little bit more cooler than it was in the actual show because they actually show the devil writing down the notes and making the music with like skulls around him. It's kind of cool. What do you guys think of the art style? 
Uh, I like that it's like an ink sketch. Like, it's not like a clearly drawn figure. It's clearly like, it looks like he's a flame because of like how sketch it is. I do. It, it looks really yeah. cool, though. I like the style. What about you, Sarah? I really like it, especially when you compare the contrast between like the previous um, panels or even, you know, like you can see in this little boxes, Kropika and Melody's eyes and like the artwork is so neat compared to the devil where it's just so sketchy and painter like and chaotic. It really does. Just like hell. Um, that it hits you emotionally. I like actually the entire the artwork in these entire panels. It's very um oh, it's very pleasant to look at. Yeah, for sure. I really appreciate like art like that. It's like online. We'll post it on the on on our Facebook group later on, but it looks really cool. I like it a lot. But uh going on it shows uh the arm is for some reason it's censored as well, the uh, Melody's arm when she shows it off to Karapika. I don't know if you, uh, if you guys, if you guys remember that, but it, it was that same blackness, right? Like censored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if it's because it's supposed to be like Lovecraftianly, like indescribable, like it's so fucked up, we can't, you can't really put words to it, or if it's because they're supposed to reveal it later and then he just never did. Fair. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's like a dramatic effect too, like the. It almost looks like there's a shadow over her arm, too, and we're looking at it from, like, the back, since we mm. can see Karapika's, the front of Karapika's face. It's an interesting way that he sh- he's showing this. Either way, Karapika looks shocked, <laughs> so it must be pretty, pretty bad, because he's usually pretty, un- pretty unflappable. Yeah, another, another part that I thought was really interesting is, uh, is Melody was basically offering to, sh- to show an old picture of her on the uh, on the thing. I don't think I remember her ever saying anything of that nature during the during the anime at all. I don't think she does. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I would love to see an actual picture of her. I know there's fan stuff, but I don't think they ever reveal the actual picture of her. Per I se. hope that she's just uh, what Fiona looks like in her original form in Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> no, she she's probably she probably looks pretty fire. It'd be. It's, but yeah, I don't know. But to be honest, I think she's beautiful on the inside. I think every Hunter Hunter fan would agree with that. Yeah, I think, in all honesty, I do think she's really cute. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. I don't know how to describe it. Like the no melody rules. Condescending. Yeah, Yeah, no, she's awesome. Especially in these last panels, like how she's drawn is just so nice, and I don't know, it's just so pleasant. Like the how the lines go. Oh, she's cute as a button. You kind of want to pinch her cheeks, even though she's like probably our age. Yeah. (laughs) She's like, please don't do this, sir. I'm 28. Please leave me alone. So regarding saying a lot less cute, though, can we talk about how they show a photo of what happened to her friend? Yeah, she's like on a bed, like covered in God knows what. I'm guessing it's it's just a charred body. Uh, But see, the the sheets aren't charged, so I'm wondering if like... She basically turned into a like a rotting corpse in front of her, like because like it looks like there's blood from like maybe struggling either while being on fire or like rotting alive. Yeah, it could be. I'm 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 unsure. Like we it just, we just don't know the extent of it. I mean, if we saw like some like some hints of it, but to me it looks like it's like maybe she, only she burnt like the so like a nen ability where it's just her exclusively would burn. Oh yeah, like maybe maybe like she burned but like no fire was created, so it was just this terrifying nightmare of someone 
screaming as they died and like covering the bed with ashes. Yeah, that or the Nen, or she burned, but it was like the Nen just didn't only touch the human skin in her body. It didn't affect anything around her. Yeah. So an interesting thing here is in this uh, version with the manga, they use the word for the friend. Uh, they they refer to the friend as a he. In the anime, I think they refer to the friend as a she, but I think this is probably because Japanese uh, pronouns, while Japanese is a gendered language insofar as their word for men and women, the pronouns are not gendered, and I have a feeling this is a result from the non-gendered pronouns. Well, first-person pronouns are gendered, but uh, third-person are not, so this would be third-person pronouns. I gotcha. Yeah, um, actually, I'm looking at my notes. I actually added the the other the manga pages for the next part, so if you want to skip down to the last manga note, Joe, you can cover that one. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, is this picture of Togashi appropriate for here or later? Um, we can just talk about that one, yeah. Oh, we can just talk about that now, I mean, it's, it's later. Okay, wait, wait, can I, can I say something about it real quick? Go for it. Togashi is now drowning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's basically a picture of, Mr. It, here's what it reads, Mr. T, age 34, reported missing, has been found floating in the Tokyo metropolitan area, there are no noticeable in- injuries. He pities the fool. Exactly, Mr. T. Is, is that how we're referred to him now, Mr. T? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> just imagine Mr. T having ridden Hunter Hunter. <laughs> damn fool, I'm not gonna talk about no, da- no damn, no damn Krapika or friggin, or friggin Leorio. It's all about Gon and, Gon and Killua. No one cares about those fools. That's the reason they always take airships, because he hates planes. They get, very funny, it's like, here, here, I'm scared of this plane, here, drink some milk, Krapika. Or, here, drink some milk, uh, Killua. But yeah, the picture is of Togashi face down in a public pool. I just, I just had to say that's me. That's he's he's like vibing like I would be. Nice that vibe. But uh, so should we proceed to ninety nine now? Oh uh, yeah, oh. you can go for it. Oh, wait, I have one last uh, note yeah. about this real quick. Um, starting with chapter seventy two, the next fifty seven chapters all take place and are titled with the names in the format September X Part Y. This was done from chapter 72 on April 4th, 2000, happy birthday, Kurapika, to chapter 128 on October 1st of the following year, and wow. nine, and therefore nine issues into Greed Island. For perspective, that means this period goes on from volume 8 to volume 14 over the course of 545 days or 78 weeks. Jeez. I'm, I'm, I'm still not sure how I feel about this counting towards Greed Island. I mean, I understand why, but... Uh, I just don't know. I, I do like that Hunter Hunter has way less separately defined arcs than Yu Show. Like, they flow into each other the way real life does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's that's neither here nor there for right now. Yeah. Uh, but, is it, so, I just want to get it straight. So, technically, this arc, this York New City all the way to the end of Greed Island is the Greed Island arc only? Wait, York New to Greed Island? Yeah, that's the entirety of the Greed Island arc. No, 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 no. So th- I'm saying this section ends in Greed Island, but like, oh. um, basically, depending on how you cut it, I cut it as York New and Phantom Troop are one arc, but the 1999 anime separates York New and Phantom Troop, and the 2011 anime keeps them as one arc. So okay, depends how you want to look at it. Okay, I do agree with the the York New and the Phantom Troop arc being one arc. That's that's cool. That. I just have because pro- I thought you were saying that Greed Island counts as this entire arc was like no I'm saying that Greed Island just keeps the naming convention partially because he probably didn't want to fuck it like I think it was a joke 
when he got to Greed Island, but before that it was to emphasize how short of a time period it was. And uh, maybe also because he was like not super creative about the names of the chapters for right then. Fair um, enough. But I don't think this is as much of an issue in anime episode titles, which don't follow this. Um, he later makes jokes about shit like this in Greed Island. Like there's one part where there's like five episodes with like the same name, but like different parts. And then it just says, I think the subtitle is, we're still doing this. Lol. Alright, did you want to, uh, you want to talk about those 99 notes and party like it's 1999, Joe? Yeah, I want to apologize. Last week I kind of went into these episodes ahead of time because the, uh, the Hunter Hunter Wikipedia has the, uh, equivalents kind of off. So I've already covered some of this, but I'll just try to go through it real fast. In this version, uh, Leorio appears with a sexy stacks theme when he comes back and they animate the whole negotiation of like him trying to get a better price on the phones. Um, it cuts away when Leorio says he knows Nen and so far they haven't shown him showing he knows very little yet. Like they take a lot longer to get to that reveal. So like the joke is kind of ruined by the fact that they're separated by so much. And, um, here when they talk about the idea of a binding bid, Kilua blushes at the, at the word binding bid and because it sounds pretty perverted. So he's obviously thinking about some weird BDSM shit, but auctions, I guess. Ooh, daddy, bid higher. Alright, uh, and then for arm <laughs> wrestling, they made posters and the passage of, they made posters advertising their arm wrestling and the passage of time is shown by posters getting defaced and then ripped down. Oh wow. Yeah, cause people are probably people who lost are like, fuck these kids. Salty. <laughs> salty, salty, salty. But yeah, the funny thing is I actually listened to the 99 dub. I saw the clip of, uh, crappy, uh, Killua trying to get more of the chocolate robots and oh. how they, how they were complaining that, oh, you, Someone the other day just bought all the chocolate robots, and it cuts to him. Yeah. yeah. It was the dub of it. I was surprised there was a dub of it. It just sounded kind of weird seeing the voice, hearing the voices and... Oh, the 99 the dub is bad. Like, so you know how, you know how Shizuku is supposed to be, like, airheaded, and she's that way in the manga, she's that way in 2011, both in dub and sub? Yeah. In 99 sub, I think she is, but in the dub, she just talks like this. Hey! Ah, uh, I guess It's bad. I, I was especially you say that it, it was it was like a it was like Masato's voice in Hunt in a in a Evangelion dub. Oh, I thought you were gonna say it was like uh, Velma's voice. That actually would be kind of funny. Yeah, that would work. I'm not gonna lie. All right, so let's move on to episode forty-three: A Shocking Tragedy, or AKA Shogenki no Sangenki. Damn, that was good. I can't believe I got that without trying. Originally released in Japan on August 12th, 2012, the equivalent manga chapters are 73, 74, and 75, which were released in Japan on April 4th, 2000. Happy birthday, Karapika. Uh, the equivalent 1999 episodes are 52 and 53, which were released in Japan on January 13th, 2001. And oh my god, hey, what's with all the 2001 now, baby. What's with the April, the April 4th, all the April 4th dates in this? Holy shit. No, it's supposed to read like the first one was released that day, so it would be 73. I gotcha. Damn, there's, I guess when we said April 4th like three times in this. We, we did, but that's cause it's a big fucking deal. Uh, happy birth, that's actually, uh, that's like five days away from my birthday. Nice. So, me and, me and, uh, Krapika are Aries buddies. Aries, buddy. Oh, so I'm also in April, but I'm a Taurus because I'm near the end. Wrecked. But yeah, we're gonna go and do Aries things, which I don't know what they are because I don't. <laughs> Getting do revenge stuff. on your fallen clan. 
Yeah, kill kill Just Kratos. Ares things. You know, kill Kratos, you know, the usual. Wait, no, that's Ares spelled A-R-E-S, while Ares spelled A-R-I-E-S is a totally different thing. I gotcha. Well, I just hope I don't die as Ares dies. Don't want, don't want that happening. Spoilers for God of War. <laughs> God of War. And a website for hentai. Anyways, uh, the, anyways, let's start off with those notes, Sarah. Alright, so the episode starts off with the power couple, Kropika and Melody, on the roof engaging in some light voyeurism. So, <laughs> they're, they're just looking out for any trouble that may pop up during the auction. Um, inside the actual auction, um, is Tosino, uh, Baze and Ivlin, oh my God! Ivlenkov. 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 Very Russian, very Italian and Russian people in this auction. And which is, you know, pretty off point since it's to do with the mafia. Interesting. Mm. All right. Anyway, so they are actually overlooking the auction and are in Neon's place to make bids. And they're just going to make sure that nothing happens to the people and um, trying to get Neon the stuff that she wants. And it's time for the actual auction. And hey, it's Franklin. And hey, it's Franklin. <laughs> you know, our, fa- our favorite, favorite turtle. <laughs> and who is this? Phaeton from the Phantom Troop. What? And all of a sudden, Franklin opens fire on the bidders. And rips apart the room using his ambidextrous machine guns, double machine gun TM. Don't. <laughs> you gotta got trademark those things. You don't want them stolen by any other NEN user. That's true. That's true. Gotta protect what's yours. Um, Tosino, which reminds me of like the breakfast that I had today. So I'm I was thinking to- Tostinos. <laughs> he tried to block the bullets. Using eleven thankless heroes, the eleven black children. Oh my god! I just realized when you said that how bad that sounds. (laughs) That sounds really bad. He just sends his adopted like black children to fight bullets. I guess. Oh damn it! It's really yeah. This is getting getting racist. These last episodes. Holy shit! Well, I I think it's more because they're black rubber bags surrounding Nen. But yeah, anyways. This is all of 11 shadow, ch- shadow children. Yeah, 11 shadow children is more accurate. <laughs> um, but his efforts are useless since the bullets just tear right through them and consequently killing him. Ah, uh, rip, Josino. Rip. rip. Oh, we're gonna favorite- do death ratings later. My favorite pizza rolls. So, Baze and Ivlenkov try to escape and warn Bosu, um, but Unfortunately, but they both get brained by Suzuku with her super suck vacuum. <laughs> it is the good suck insofar it is incredibly strong. It is the bad suck in terms of what it does. It's absolutely the bad suck for it depends on your perspective of the suck. If you're on if you're if you're on the receiving end of the suck, it's bad. If you're on the giving end of the suck, it's pretty good. Only sucks deal in absolutes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, yeah, well, that was actual scene. I was pretty I was actually pretty shocked by it because it was very surprising and almost anticlimactic how they both went out. I was like, damn. 
People do actually die here. Oh, yeah. So earlier, a couple episodes ago, I was like, oh, how do you guys like the new second group of protagonists? I was hoping to get as many people as possible to believe that they would survive. <laughs> I, I thought they were going to survive. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see all their abilities and how they defend everybody. Yeah. The fucking yeah. dead. Because they all had very distinct character designs to the point. Like, they got to live for, like, at least the entire arc. No, they didn't even make it through. <laughs> so if Lenkov definitely was going to die, he did not have a dis- distinct True. character style yeah. at all. Baze, though, he was generic I Russian thought she man. would survive a little bit longer than she actually did. Can we talk about how Lin Sen is still alive after this? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, yeah, he somehow managed to get gets out of the fucking. Didn't we? I don't know. Do we discuss? No, this let's on the show let's not let's not let's not talk about. Yeah, we just talked about that. But yeah, I don't know how Lin Sen survives any of this. Yeah, especially because you never find out what Lin Sen does ever. Well, he wasn't sent there. I think he was guarding. Uh... No, he was guarding the back entrance, which I would think the Phantom Troop would have like come in through there. <laughs> Imagine this high fived him going in. He's like oblivious. Hey, how's it going, guys? <laughs> They're like, you know us. He's like, so, I do. It's it's like let's kill everybody but that 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 Lane was it named Lin Tan Lin Sen Lin Sen he seems like a stand up guy let's keep him alive just for now it's like um I'm trying to think there's wasn't there equivalent in another show where they just kept him alive because they he was like cool <laughs> wait <laughs> I'm just thinking of Kung Pao it's like we kept him alive as a joke yeah that's exactly he's the uh, it was the squeaky shoes in, of yeah. this show Wimplow Wimplow. <laughs> So after everything is said and done, everyone fucking dies. Everyone's dead. And Shizuku uses her super suck blinky to suck all the bodies, the blood, the chairs to who knows where. Um, is truly the bad suck. And note, the vacuum has googly eyes. In case anyone was curious. It's like, jeez. She got on that meme years before it became popular to put googly eyes on Funko Pop. She was doing it already. Imagine it's like, <laughs> hey guys, check out my cool vacuum that kills people and sends them to, or it sends them to somewhere and it hides the bodies. I put googly eyes on it. It's so cute. I call it the Yugoogleizer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like girl things. <laughs> Hashtag just assassin woman things. <laughs> Lol. So one man remains, but Phaeton gets some of the good head, and the poor survivor quickly dies. Uh, so much for he gets so um, much for that. It's like, it reminds me of yeah, it reminds me of Tagoro when he got kicked off the director's head. So you know how like Phaeton was chilling while uh, Franklin was like shooting, and like uh, and uh, Shizuku was like killing people outside. Yeah. Do you want to know what I think Phaeton was doing while he had his ear plug, his ears plugged? What? Behind behind his mask, I think he was thinking like, "Nice head, I'll think I'll take it. Nice head, nice I, head think I'll I'll take think it. I'll take nice it. Nice head, I yeah. think I'll take it." <laughs> what are you doing and- here? Cuts off his head. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, God damn it, Phaeton, we went through this like, a million times. Just cut his head off, please. <laughs> After hearing the commotion, Krapika and Melody rush inside to see what's going on. Um, finding that everyone has disappeared, Melody checks the safe and. <gasps> Oh my god, it's completely empty! They stole everything. It is crazy. This is the kind of heist where it's like, who done it? 
And we actually, the audience figured out who actually did it. And it is the Bandon Troop above the, in the clouds above in a, um, what's it called? A hot air balloon? Very Moody's yeah, point. Hot air balloon. If anyone yeah. gets the reference. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? Moody's point. Oh, I, like it was, the is Amanda that a... show parody. Oh, oh, the hot air balloon. Oh, shit. Yeah. I haven't think of that in years. <laughs> yeah, that's They're what stuck I heard. <laughs> in any case, anyone doesn't know, there's a, there's like a sketch comedy show with Amanda Bynes on Nickelodeon, and one of the parody skits was of Dawson's Creek, except they called it Moody's Point. And half of the running gag is like she lost her mom when she was a kid because her mom took a hot air balloon ride and is stuck in the air for like how many years in each end of each episode. It just shows the mom just like in the hot air balloon trying to ask people to save her. I still think my favorite thing is that the dad is like missing a toe. And just keeps oh, tripping. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucking it's stupid. It's a little mini tell. Uh, Rip Amanda All show, right. the precursor to, to Drake and Josh. Mm-hmm. Another classic. Which I'm pretty sure we quoted on here quite a bit, too. Yeah, I think, I think so. Genius, Keenan no. and Cal, the Amanda show. She's still covering our bases. Gotta, um, gotta get those bases covered. We'll, we'll make an orange soda joke later on this season, probably. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. We'll see, but uh, no, do you wanna... we'll save that for our Evangelion podcast. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> Who loves orange soda? Shinji loves orange soda. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Phantom Troop, they did manage to escape. However, they left empty-handed. They don't have any of the merchandise. Uh, when they were when they got to the safe, everything was gone. So it was moved prior to them even arriving at. the the auction um this causes some thoughts that there's a judas among them um but this quickly changes to thinking that someone was informed but not explicitly yeah it was really confusing the way they described it where they were saying they were basically saying yeah it couldn't have been somebody because if it was if they explicitly known that that it was them doing it they would have they would have defended the auction more heavily and had the shadow beast out almost immediately to defend them but since they didn't have it ready, they just did the. They basically just took precautions in another way. So essentially, they'll they'll tell how they found out. But you probably take a guess how they found out that there was going to be an attack on there. Is this where they? So while they're talking about the Judas thing, I I do like here that Crollo basically lists all the common reasons someone would betray them, and they basically rule them all out because they're thinking in terms of the way. They're like, okay, so think about us and think about normal people. Like both of us, like we don't have desires that match normal people and normal people don't have desires that match us. I'm going to list all of those and see that this wouldn't make sense for them. But he didn't think about the fact that like, oh, what if there was another brand of abnormal people and their name were Hisoka? (laughs) Yeah, I I did like how he defended Judas though on that. So yeah, that was in reference to sort of like a Gnostic idea of like Judas being in on the betrayal and like, um, I mean, being in on the plan. And so in the Gnostic gospels, as we talked about, like um, Judas is revered in many of them because he's seen as like the vehicle for allowing like what happened to happen. 
And that, like, quote-unquote lying to people to make it seem like Judas was a traitor is less important than getting the message of, like, Christ out to the people. The new message the new message from the people that brought you, uh, Tagoro Tugor- did nothing wrong. Judas did nothing wrong. <laughs> okay. I don't think anyone thinks Toguro did nothing wrong, but they... <laughs> anyway. I'm just playing. Uh, Fuck so you. It's explained... Um, all this is explained... Um, that it is all run by the Ten Dawns. Um, so the Ten Dawns run each criminal enterprise around the world. They also have Ten Shadow Beasts, who each work um, under a dawn as their best combatant. Since they weren't there to guard the auction house, they don't have any knowledge of who was attacking. However, um, one of them, known as Owl, took the contents of the safe and left. Which... When you think about it, like how, and strategically it makes sense, like take the merch if you have like a limited amount of time, like that's probably the most important, but they just still left like probably hundreds of people within the mafia to die. That's cold. So I think the idea is they actually did the best move based on the reliability of the information. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, oh, even if we go through with the auction and no one gets attacked, we'll still get all the commissions based on this and we can guarantee them because they trust us because we're all part of the mafia that we will have their merchandise when it is available. So they didn't feel like it was necessary to create panic because the more likely event, because they don't know about the trustworthiness of Hisoka because like Hisoka is not like internationally famous. So they did what I think was most likely the right thing and just so happens that they underestimated the relative power of the Phantom Troop. Uh, as, 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 uh, as sort of expected from the Mafia, they think they're the greatest, but you know, I mean, as, as we, as we learned from the 1970s and that whole era with New York, they certainly were not. <laughs> so now it's on. The Phantom Troop are now let loose to kill the Mafia. Uh, they're heading towards the Gordau how you say it? Yeah, Gordau, Gordau Desert. Was it Gordau or Gordo? I don't even know. Gordo, we can just say Gordo, whatever works. Yeah, I would say like Gordo Desert, um, along with the Shadow Beasts, um, who are let loose by the Tendons and the Karapa Gang, aka Poison. Passione. Passione. Oh my god, I can't read today. That's a that's a fucking JoJo Part Five reference. Anyway, Uh, so the mafia finally arrived to kill the hell out of the Phantom Troop, Um, but the Phantom Troop only sent out one guy, um, Uvogen, to kill to clean up the mafia guys, and naturally he just totally like destroys all of them. Um, the rest of the gang are, you know, just sitting on the sideline, playing cards, occasionally commenting on the fight, but they really just cannot care. <laughs> and then when Passione, right, approaches yeah. the scene, um, so do the famed shadow beasts, um, Worm, Rabbit Dog, Leech, and Porcupine. And they are coming in to whip some Phantom Troop ass, or... Will they? Who knows? How to find out and in now, the next episode. Of Hunter Ballsy. Alright, so let's play another thrilling episode of Rate Those Deaths.
Now, this is where we, as you remembered, we rate, rate the deaths of everybody. And since there's a shit ton, we got a lot to go through. So when we start off with Takone, what did you guys think of his death? Um, Tocino's death, I think, is fucking brutal. Because, like, he puts up his greatest defense. And this is basically where it's revealed just how powerful the fandom troop is. This is, like, the first time you get the impression. I guess, like, someone had previously said, what if you had, like, 13 Hisokas? But I think this is kind of, like, the first time it's demonstrated directly. And, um, so with that in mind, he, he tries to stop the bullet, like, all that. I would say 9 out of 10. Yeah, that was a brutal-ass death. Uh, I'm going to go with 9 out of 10. What about you, Sarah? I would say the same. I feel like out of the all the deaths that happened in the auction, his had the most impact. Especially when you first see, like, his defense has some way of working, and then it just completely fails. Like, that emotionally is pretty hard as like a viewer especially if you i feel like he also had one of the most um the more endearing personalities of the um of the people that were introduced um in the start of this arc so it's like because he was pretty likable it just makes it a little bit more sad and impactful that he was like the first one to die yes very uh, how about uh, Bayes getting brain? Well, I guess let's just do Bayes and uh, Ivan Kolf in the same way because they both died the exact same way. So, question about this: I might be misremembering, but I remember this happening a lot better in the manga. Um, I guess kind of. I'm gonna I'll check the the image of it because I have it saved. Uh, but uh, the way that I remember it, it basically them getting just just getting brained in, in a similar way. Wait, 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 but let me let me clarify. Does Shizuku jump literally a hundred feet to kill Baze in the anime? I don't think so, no. So in the manga, Baze runs away pretty far, and Shizuku basically just, like, takes a breath, like, bears down, and then jumps, like, a hundred feet and, like, busts her skull in. So it's way cooler in the manga, so I'm gonna deduct points for not doing an accurate translation of this one. I gotcha. Yeah, because the way that it looks like, it looks like they're outside when they brain... I guess going to the manga notes, when she brains him, it looks like she's either outside compared to, like, inside the hallway where they really brain him in the, mo- in the anime. Also, um, Ivlenkov, like, they showed a, straight up show his skull split down the center, like, in the manga. Yeah, he kind of gets fucked up. So I'm going to subtract points for both of these compared to their manga equivalent, so I'm going to give these both 6 out of 10. I, I would go 7. Nine, ten for the manga, but I, I, I give it a seven still. What about you, Sarah? What do you like? I'll cut the middle and say 6.5. I think both of them had at least like a little bit of surprise, like the suddenness of their deaths, and also because it was at the hand of, um, Shizuku, who you wouldn't really expect that it kind of put an impression, but it wasn't as gory or as like, sad as Tocinos or Tocinos, so that's how I'd rate him. Fair enough. Alright, so what about everyone everyone else in the room basically getting shot to death? I, I would give it maybe myself maybe like a 7. I thought it was pretty brutal just killing, shooting every single person and just gunning them all down. Some of them faring worse or better than others in a way. Interesting. I was going to give it a 9 just because like it begins, like, you realizing, like, oh, the Phantom Troop are serious business and will kill, like, random fucking people. 
I, I guess from that, I, I agree with that. I, I, I think my thinking is just the way that they died and turned just getting shot by a bunch of bullets. We can apply different criteria for me. Well, I'd also say these bullets are large enough that they just like leave giant cavitations in people too. That's fair. So I'm going nine out of 10, but it definitely is both on like the way they're killed. While it's just bullets, it is like huge bullets that leave like it basically turns people into mush and simultaneously also like serves as the introduction for the brutality of the phantom troop. Ah, I, I definitely agree on that. So I can definitely agree on that, that note. What about you, Sarah? Mm, I think it was pretty brutal. Um, it almost in a way, it kind of felt like, uh, maybe cause you know, it definitely kind of sealed the deal that this, anime wasn't um because first when i watched this anime it seemed like it was very light-hearted but now it's just becoming like oh this is dark shit dude <laughs> it almost had like a very horror feeling moment for me just seeing at least all the blood on the floor so i think that like made it a little bit more i would say i would give it an eight just for the fact the impact that it had even though it wasn't like explicitly as gory as it probably i don't know in, in the manga but for me like just the shot afterwards was really cool gotcha so then moving on to the one surviving guy the guy that gets his head chopped off by a uh, by our, our favorite character one of our favorite characters or favorite <laughs> stoic characters i i would have to say that i think there's a 10 out of 10 the delivery and you know him him saying like you'll never you'll, the mafia will never will never will the mafia will keep following you and get you and then getting his head chopped off the same, like in the same motion as uh, that guy getting his head cut off by a younger Tuguro. I think that's a ten out of ten for me, dog. Interesting. I I have very different feelings about it. I I kind of feel like it's a very plain death, and like the like you know the mafia will never let you escape or whatever. It's kind of a stock line, and then like Phaeton's response of like. What's family? I'm like, uh, okay, cool. You're a tribe. I get it. Like, I'm going to give it somewhere between a four and a six. I'm trying to decide. Maybe I'll just go split the difference with a five. Fair enough. What about you, Sarah? Mm-hmm. I think this one, I, I was kind of not as... It didn't leave as much as an impression on me either. I'll just give it a six. I like the line yeah, that he said, but I also can kind of see how it's a little generic. Um, and yeah. I think compared to the other ones that happened previously, you just didn't, it just didn't hit the same. Fair enough. I don't know. I'm a fan of the classic, so I always got to respect the classic death. Classic, you'll never get away with this line and getting your head chopped off. I mean, I don't know. I'm a big fan of the classics with that stuff. All right, so the guy who shoots... Uvo that gets his, his neck snapped back with a slap and gets his head crushed. What are your thoughts on that? I give it like a, oh man, I'd probably have to give it like a nine. I just thought it was so funny seeing him just slap him, his neck gets gets freaking twisted and just crushes his head. Classic. I'm like eight, nine, yeah. Like I really do like that it shows that like oh Uvo's just toying with like the hardened killers right now. Yeah, I would give it the same around, like, let's do 8.5, because I just like the, how it just played, how Uvo was just so damn strong, 
in a way it had it like was very brutal but how it was animated it had a little bit of like almost very grim humor to it so i appreciated it i also like how it kind of distinguishes him from someone like toguro because like he's clearly using just enough force to like kill someone because like toguro would have just ripped the dude's head like the head would be off uvo's just like no 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 no. i'm just gonna snap your neck with like the, the flick of a wrist and then the rest of the mafia. So basically the guys shooting bazookas, the sniper. 10 out of I, 10. I know it's a lot, but you know, <laughs> yeah, 10 out of 10. I love, I love the, the whole battle with Uvo just slaughtering them, getting shot with a tank bullet. It's like, lol, good, nice try. Yeah, same here, 10 out of 10. That was intense and it was badass. So I was like very, it was very entertained. So I don't think it's a direct reference, but I do like that it kind of parallels. Like, have you guys seen Akira? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Tetsuo is, like, coming into the city, and then, like, they fire, like, uh, you know, artillery shells at him, and he just, like, psychically detonates them in front of himself. That's, that is pretty awesome. I need a, they actually have that coming to theaters again in 4K. I'm Interesting. Te- I'm, con- I'm considering seeing it, but I'm not sure yet. Yeah. I wish more, uh, drive-ins were open, dude. I would definitely see it then. Yeah. I, I'm, the thing is that it's not even that. It's just that I saw it, like, last year. So mm-hmm. I don't need, I don't know if I need to see it again in theaters, you know? Have you read the manga? No. Everyone should read the manga, cause like story-wise, it like fills in all the weird fucking gaps in it. I gotcha. I'll have to, I'll have to go and read that then. I've never read the manga myself. I, I, the t- first time I watched it was actually last year though. In ah, theaters. interesting. Yeah, uh, Akira was like one of the first anime things I ever watched back in the day. So like, at the time I was super enamored with it, but I was also like, this doesn't make any sense. So I read the manga and was like, oh, that's cause they took like one third of the actual story. I think it was around that, that era when the, uh, the anime stuff was coming in and it's so edgy and cool and it's that era of, that era of grimdark and that sort of gore fest, sort of like what was brought on by Spawn and a lot of the image comic stuff that was really popular back in the day. So I think a lot of that is really what influenced the why that was so popular. But I'm wasn't I wouldn't be sure how I wouldn't be so sure how popular it would be now if it released like today though. Oh yeah, I've shown that movie to Kathy and some other friends who didn't watch it back in the day and they're like none of this makes sense and I'm like, well, back in the day when you watched anime, you didn't expect it to make sense without reading external material, which is not necessarily good, but it is how things were practiced then. And so it's interesting seeing the contrast with people wanting things to be internally consistent and internally understandable. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I had the reaction of I know I had the same, the reaction of it was pretty good. I didn't really question it or think anything's missing. I just thought it was a because I'm used to the '90s movies and how they vibed, like the anime movies. Yeah. So it's well, like okay, I because we're probably coming from the same era. Joe was like okay, I get I get it, and it was entertaining. But you know, it's you know, we we can let it let the the missing parts, you know, we can, we can make that, we can, like, give it a pass at least. Yeah, so if you actually look at, like, it in the way that you would movies nowadays, you would notice, like, do you remember that woman who just shows up with the huge wig on, who's just, like, chanting and has a bunch of followers and people are holding her on, like, a palanquin? Yeah. Okay, she has an entire section of the manga explaining who she is. Fair enough. Yeah, so anyways. All right, so Speaking let's... of explanations, Hunterpedia... Gotcha. Did you want to do it, Joe, or did you want to do it, Sarah? Oh, no, you, you, whoever wants to do it can take it. Oh, I can do it. Um, yeah. So, this, 
episodes Hunterpedia is all about bays, and Nicole and Kila talk about instant lover and how it charms men um, to bend to bays as well. Uh, Kilua does something that causes the fangirls to scream all over the world, and several ships are set to sail. It's <laughs> like the Trojan War. <laughs> yeah, and if you can scroll down, you see the pictures. Basically, Kuala is a big fat kiss on Gon, and Gon's got hearts in his eyes and tries to kiss Kuala back, but Kuala's being a total tsundere about it. <laughs> the truth is, it's the opposite. Oof. Aww. <laughs> All right, so let's cover the manga notes. So, uh, so yeah, it shows, uh, I thought this line is pretty funny in the manga. Uh, Franklin's like, you all die now, and just, like, shoots everybody. It's kind of, kind of weird. It's, it kind of, it kind of has, like, a Frankenstein, it reads kind of like a Frankenstein line. I don't know if you get that, got that, get that same vibe, Joe. I mean, it's hard not to get a Frankenstein vibe from him. I'm going to put it out there. I don't think they did gave him a Frankenstein voice in the in the uh, anime though. Yeah, I just meant the vibe. Yeah, no, and I think they gave they gave him that vo- the voice at I guess in qu- like quotes in the manga as fr- like a Frankenstein like you all die now I kill you, Franklin angry so that that's a vibe, and uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, like we were talking about before with the with a uh, Blinky just fucking destroying uh, destroying a uh, Ivankov's skull. And, uh, you can see, you actually see better in the manga, you can see the, the vacuum with the Google eyes on it. You could, you see his, if Lenkov's eye is shooting out of his skull as his skull breaks open. Yeah, pretty disgusting. Uh, not, not to mention, like, the amount they show his, like, arms and legs switching is unrealistic, but would make this into a fucking horror scene. Cause generally when someone just gets, like, decapitated, like, their arms move a little bit. But, like, this, it's, like, clawing at the ground and, like, as if it, like, a zombie, like, coming back to life. It's terrifying. It kind of reminds me of in the... I don't know if you ever watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I haven't, but I think I've seen clips of what you're talking about. Yeah, there's there's a scene where, where Leatherface slams some guy in the head with a hammer and he just has a straight-out seizure. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that. It might be in reference to that because Togashi loves horror movies. Makes sense. Man, I need to watch that again. That was a good movie. They have a remake coming, but I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it just shows the... The, suc- the, the, the suction of Blinky kind of... It kind of has a different effect, a, a different sucking effect. It kind of looks like a Luigi when he sucks in the ghost in Luigi's Mansion versus the just like just dragging everything around the ground. You know what I mean? Wait, when Shizuku walks around, does it kind of go like do 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 do? Yeah, she 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 she's like she's like Crollo, 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 yeah, Crollo, yeah, like that. That's basically. But anyways, yeah. That's that's kind of like the va- the 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 motion I got from that vacuum Wait, action. Real last thing about this, uh, in the third one of her games, does does she have a partner named Shizugu? Shizugu, yeah. You mean you mean, you mean Shu Suiji? I was going with the Guiji, but Shizugu, yeah, Shizugu. Suiji, yeah. But yeah, no, she does. Play Luigi's Mansion, anyways. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see what right here. Uh. It shows the scene, that, that scene. It, in the manga, it looks like he's actually missing an eye compared to where he's just really beaten up. And he's like, family, what's family? And then cuts his head off. I hate that I read it like, family, what's that, precious? <laughs> Lol. And then, uh, yep, uh, has some manga chapters. Uh, 
it shows uh, it shows Owl and the getting the vault out, and he has the biggest vibe that I really wish I can I can grab like in the manga. He just looks so swaggerish, and it's like he don't give no fucks. He looks like a very I don't know what the name of this archetype is in in manga, but like in the nineties, there were a lot of characters like this nineties early two thousands who were like the laid back slacker type character, and I'm not sure what it's called, but he has that vibe. It's cool guy. Yeah, why not? All right, and then has a, and then has um this little comic strip in there called Two Thousand with Gone. It's like last chance. What do you say? Uh, baseball starting lineup. We told you it's five syllables, and it's just the gang. And it's like a, the strip was originally published in E Jump on Jan eighteenth, two thousand. So I'm gonna say it's like uh, a little online comic. Yeah, what Gone is actually mouthing is Ni Senen, which means two thousand. I gotcha. So it's kind of like like a charades thing, except probably more complicated. I think it's just a lip reading thing. Fair enough. And then, uh, yeah, it shows the it was a little, the the fight went a little bit faster with the mafia. It started out with them shooting in the air, and then and then uh, and then Uvo just killing the shit out of everybody in existence. I forget. Is there no card game in this one? I think there's not. Right? There is. It's there. It's really subtle, but you see them say drop whatever. Oh, X okay, but it's it's not like focused on as like a way of commenting on Uvo. No, it's just it's just like a it's like a hey, drop this card. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and it's like a, just a tank. You hurt my feelings, which I thought was kind of funny. I love that. Cushion that skull violently, and oh, geez, Worm is a lot uglier in the in the manga than he is in the anime. I also like the way he talks, like because like they basically like all caps it and then write it in a weird font. So he's like, "I am Shadow Beast. Name's Worm." <laughs> yeah, that's basically the sounds he makes. But yeah, it's uh really cool. I guess really creepy. Uh I like how I like how uh how har- how uh how Melody's like all freaked out about it. It's like, oh my gosh. The cute oh. <laughs> Can we talk about how when Worm re enters the ground it just shows his legs out of the ground with a sound bubble that says slorp? Yep, that's that's he slurps the ground. He's slurping. Yeah. Look at his legs, though. They're so shapely and shaped. <laughs> it looks like he just <laughs> yeeted himself into the ground. Leg goals right there. <laughs> yeah, man. Worm leg- never skips leg day because he needs to fucking use his entire body to crawl through the ground. <laughs> Hashtag leg goals. And it shows the gang. It shows a shows the rabbit dog, porcupine, and leech. I think the porcupine pre- looks like he's about to go to a fucking cipher. Yeah. He looks kind of out there, but they're they're pretty much true to form. I think Porcupine looks a little bit more cuter in the on the anime, though. Yep, yep. All right, so uh, Simone notes that yeah, huge distance. We talked about that. Uh, this is one I thought was interesting. The sniper has a spotter who instantly dies in a way that's either a second rock or a shockwave, which is kind of unclear, right, Joe? Yeah, I took it as a shockwave because it never shows Uvo throwing two rocks. I got you. I imagine it, it could be he probably because sh- that distance he probably throws it like an insane amount to get that yeah. distance. Uh, the picture of the world here is not divided into dawn territories, which makes sense and with something the manga only later about a large kingdom devoid of outsiders. Maybe you basically in say. the anime when they show the dawn's territories, it includes like a country that explicitly doesn't have outsiders in it. That like. It would fuck up continuity with later stuff, so I'm glad that the manga actually didn't have that. 
I see. You talking about you you talking about the later the later arc then, right? A later arc in the manga only. Like it hasn't oh. even been animated yet. Okay. I was thinking you were referencing something else that's coming up. No, it's not what you're thinking. Gotcha. Right, it's he- not it's not a bug's life. Not a bug's life, gotcha. So no flick. How sad. Or uh, ants, if you will. <laughs> Here the Nostrad family is just part of the Ritz family instead of being its own thing. Which I I wasn't I actually didn't catch, so a nice catch on that one, Joe. Yeah, so in the manga and ninety nine, they're just like, you know, part of the Ritz family, and I'm just like, I don't know, actually. You know the Ritz Carlton family. But I think they simplify that for 2011 because they're just like, we don't want to fucking talk about mafia politics so much. It's missing out. All right. Did you want to go over the infamous 99, 1999 or 2001 part? Uh, I guess we're, are we still in 2000? I think we're still in 2000. I don't know. You just know. said 2001. Remember you said. Oh yeah. That? No, we are in 2001. You're right. Okay. So here, Phaeton's line about skipping the formalities thing is the same here as in the manga. So basically when Franklin goes up and is like, hey, you're all going to die now, it's after Phaeton's like, hey, let's skip the formalities. He says that in the manga at 99, but he says like something else in 2011. I'm not sure why. I already mentioned this, but Shizuku's English voice in 99 doesn't sound clueless. It just sucks. Uh, so in the 99 version, Phaeton is preserved as speaking very slowly and with bad grammar like he is in the manga. Um, in this version, the spotter from the manga is reinterpreted as a second rifleman, and I'm not exactly sure if they just didn't know what a, a spotter was, or if they just didn't get a clear shot of it. Uh, in this version, before Kurapika says he will continue the seemingly impossible fight with Uvo, no, he says that before finding out he's a spider, so Kurapika was ready to throw down even though he didn't know Uvo was a spider yet. I think that's a bad change, but it's what happened. Um, so this version references the Nostrades as part of the Ritz family, just like in the manga. And that's about it for this section. So, now a word from our compatriots and benefactors. Hey everybody, this is Andrew from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and we are proud to be the latest addition to the Greenlit Podcast Network. If you're a superhero fan, our show will put your knowledge to the test. Did you know Tim Burton almost made a Batman musical? Or how Superman almost had a love story with his own cousin? That's disgusting. But it's true. We cover it all, mixing clips with commentaries, sketches, and impersonations. So tune in to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, Chris, what's the War Rocket Ajax podcast about? Well, Matt, if we were smart, it'd be about murders. But it's actually about comics. War Rocket Ajax. It's not about murders. But it is weekly on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Alright, on to episode 44. Build up to a fierce battle. Or Gekisen no Fukusen. It was Happy re- birthday, Kurapika. <laughs> Happy, Happy birthday, birthday. Kurapika. Happy birthday. It's episode 44. <laughs> uh, it was religi- re- originally released in Japan on August 19th, 2012. Uh, the equivalent manga chapters are 75, 76, and 77, and the first of this was released in Japan on July 4th, 2000. Uh, Happy, Happy birthday, birthday, America. America. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> the equivalent 1999 episodes are 53 and 54, which were released in Japan on 
January 20th, 2001. I don't no. have a birthday for that one. I'm sorry, guys. I think that's Detective Conan's birthday. Look that up and tell tell me later if if that's true. But anyways, uh, proceeding on to the episode notes, Uvo finishes off the Mafia guys and finally begins the fight with the Shadow Beasts, alone. alone. Passione sits there with popcorn in hand, watching this intense fight kick off. So Worm gets in a cheap shot by popping out of the ground and nailing Uvo in the face, but Worm ends up breaking his hand but dragging Uvo underground. So uh, Uvo, having none of this shit, nukes the ground with his fist, basically obliterating Worm with Big Bang Impact Fist of Destruction. I think I've, I think I saw a video on uh, YouTube Red labeled that. You mean RedTube? No, 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 YouTube Red. Um, Okay. Leaving nothing but a hand. The worst part is barely any nan was added to the impact. Are are you sure about that? I thought they were I I thought what they said was something to the effect of like it's not a special technique. All he did was add his nan to the impact. Well, the way that at least in the, in the subs the way it was worded it sounded like it was it said that he barely any nan was added to the impact. So it was mostly his raw strength, but it still had some nan in it. I wonder if that's, like, sort of a mistranslation of, like, he didn't add an emissive component to it, but he channeled all his nan into his actual, like, muscles. It, it could be. I might have read it wrong, but at least that's the way that I, I interpret that it seemed to be interpreted. Yeah, because I think the manga in 99 kind of say more like, oh, yeah, it's just not a special technique. It's literally just using nan and doing a really big punch. I gotcha. Yeah, but, um... When his shirt gets ripped, it reveals, <laughs> shirt ripper, uh, it reveals his number 11 spider tattoo, setting Kurapika's eyes off. Setting, so, setting his whole mood stuff, too. Just off for the rest yeah. of the day. His eyes just like turn, I was like, it's like the, win- the Windows XP shutdown theme. What, what did that sound like? I actually don't know. Dun it- oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that sounds like you're about to start like a, uh, Ocarina of Time, like, you know, song that's gonna transport you somewhere or something. It just turns uh, off the ocarina. So round two, Porcupine sticks to Uvo's punch, Rabbit Dog takes a bite out of crime, and Leech gets a little free K with his tongue. <laughs> it took me a second, I'm like, free K? <laughs> he does some of that tongue shit you like so good. Uh, essentially paralyzing him in pleasure. Uh, and leaving him full of parasites, not the anime. Also, he might want to get tested later. Yeah. Could Uvo be on the ropes? Also, yes. can we talk about how... It was really weird when Rabbit Dog was like, Chicago, Illinois, 65612, and take a bite out of crime. crime. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, he's gotta, gotta take a bite out of crime on that, you know? Yes. Uh, Rip. so, <laughs> yeah, Rip Scruff McGruff, I don't know what happened to you. Dead. Yeah, dead forever. He, he, he got, he got A-cabbed, unfortunately. Oh god. <laughs> It was it was really weird because it was a Rocky who did it. Uh, oh, God. Uvo, however, bites back at Leech and gets a little snack in, killing him instantly. <laughs> Kurapika already sees the shadow beast uh, have, sees the shadow beast have already lost. So effectively, Kurapika is saying, "You're already dead." Pretty much, and they're like Nani, and they just all explode. So getting some suck action ready, Uvo shoots a fragment of Leech's skull at Rabbit Dog, bursting through Dog's hand and brain, killing him too. You know, he he basically just said, nah, dog. Shoots him right through the hand and head. Uvo starts to suck again, and instead of shooting a projectile, he recreates the... <laughs> he recreates the Kieran J. Callanan 
music video for Big Enough and blows Porcupine's brains out with his shouts alone. Okay, so I didn't know that's what this was called, but Patrick has shown me the clip. I've seen it before, but I didn't know the, the name of it. Patrick, would you mind doing a reenactment of this? If you guys have seen, like, a ghostly cowboy above, like, a mountain range, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's basically what happened, and he did. Yeah. Kurapika, tired of the noob level of display from the Shadow Beast, decides to take Uvo on himself. Dio, Kido, Dalzolene tries to stop Kurapika, but he just gives that fuck off glare. Melody comes Kurapika's red eye ass down. A red eye ass dragon, uh, down with wildflower, <laughs> and they hatch a plan. Okay, so do you guys like that Kurapika is about to go off and fight them in anger? And she's like, oh, oh shit. And she like, you know, calms everyone down. And they're like, oh my god. And then Kurapika's like, okay, I'm calm now. I'm still gonna kill their ass. Yeah, that's, it's like, it's like, let's hatch a plan. Yeah, the plan is me, me taking him in and kicking his ass. I, I kinda wish, I wish Melody had been more shocked. She's like, wait, wait, you still wanna do this? <laughs> Yeah. It's like, no, I'm, I'm calm, dog. I'm just gonna keep doing the same thing. Meanwhile, Shalnark attends to Uvo's wounds, telling him he's full of those spotted leeches, and the only solution is to get hammered and pee. Spoilers, next Spirit Hunter challenge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> the Spirit Hunter is get hammered and pee, episode title. Anyways. It's going to be involved the bathroom, a microphone, and several buckets. All right. Oh, <laughs> this way, the parasites will die in his urinary tract. Um, I think the implication is that he has to keep his urinary tract alkaline, and one way to do that is some of the byproducts of uh, alcohol dehydrogenase. Yeah, I-, I wasn't smart enough to say that. So, is this like, is this like actually medically sound? A thing to Let's do. look up spotted leeches. I I don't know if spotted leeches are really a thing or if they lay themselves in your urinary tract. I'm looking this up. We're doing live live, live research, googling. Y'all. I got phone calls going up. <laughs> Who's calling out? Somebody else. Because this definitely seems like a classic shonen uh, biology, but I just want to see if there's any at least past or current medical uh, logic behind this. Okay, so I'm on PubMed on an article called <laughs> Leech and Urinary Bladder Causing Hematuria. Uh, the abstract to estimate efficacy of normal saline in the management of hematuria caused by accidental entry of leech per urethra into the urinary bladder. So this is about a leech swimming up your dick. <laughs> um, which I don't think is what happened here. <laughs> no. It was not when he was being given the good suck. Um... I'm going to look up what how deadly hematuria is. Oh, that just means blood and urine. So, okay. The fact that I'm going to guess, we have not done conclusive research, but I'm going to guess that based on the fact that when I look up spotted leeches, the first thing that comes up is hunter hunter. Yeah. I'm going to guess that there's no leech that actually conforms to this exactly. I'm going to type in leech pee and see if that, anything comes up on that. Oh, no, no, no. That's, that's where people just... I, never mind. I was going to describe the weirdest fetish that I just how made up. How to remove leeches like a man... <laughs> Most of the time, leeches leeches bite is painless, and you hardly know they are there. Dot dot dot. I always thought you need to pee on the leech in order to get get it off. What? <laughs> that's not a thing. That, that's what it says on, on Trust Two P Swim Bike Run Daddy. 
What the fuck? What? Uh, yeah, is that on Yahoo Answers? There was on Google. It was the first result. When you know how they have that big bold thing? Oh fuck! There's there's like pee on. Le- I used to thought you had the pee on leeches. Anyway, so, anyway. So if you guys need to get leeches off, just you know, you you know what to do. So. Back to uh, the medically accurate depiction of leech infestation. While Shizuku starts to prep for poison removal, uh, this is why couldn't she just suck the parasites out too? She explicitly says that she can't suck any living thing. I think that's one of her Nen conditions. That's why she's able to have such a powerful thing. I guess. I mean, uh, I mean, so, I mean, though, is the leech just technically alive in the, in the yeah leeches are alive, sense? dog. Oh, so Uvo begins to get covered in chains and is dragged away. Luckily for the gang, Machi attaches her thread. Okay, so we have to distinguish the gang here. The gang this time being the Phantom Troop. Sorry, I'll put the Phantom um, Troop. My bad. Let's just start referring to them as La Squadra if we're referring La to the Squadra. others as yeah. uh, Machi attaches her thread onto Uvo so they can uh, track him. Worm, seemingly uh, seeming to barely escape, calls for backup and finally dies. Rip. Yeah. Uh, Passione drive off with Uvo in tow and Uvo trying to egg them on. Kurapika is having none of this and practices incredibly irresponsible driving by, while he's driving, <laughs> turning around and tightening the chains with chain jail and not oh keeping his God. eyes on the road. Good. Yeah. Good old Kurapika in his dramatics. <laughs> I'm just imagining if he's like, oh, 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 you think this is unsafe? I'll fucking kill us all. Fuck you. And then yeah. Uvo's like, I would literally survive a car crash, but okay. Don't worry, he's driving an automatic. It's less, it's less skill based, so he can do it. I love like Melody's just sitting in the passenger seat, be like, uh, uh, Karafika, look, I don't want to keep your eyes on the road, uh, maybe. It's like, no, I need, I need, I need to taunt, I need to sh- tighten these chains on him. Yeah, so chain jail, an ability to capture the phantom troop only. Kurapika swore if the ability is used on anyone but the spiders, he will die on the spot. As proof of his resolution to kill the ever-living shit of the phantom troop. That's, that's factual. But the thing I, the thing I thought would be funny if it's like, uh, it's like Kurapika's tighten him and it's like, Uva's like, harder daddy, and like, what? 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 <laughs> what? 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 No, like, what? like, <laughs> no, like, we yeah. all get it. What, what, in the butt, yes. Anyways. Yes. <laughs> so, Hunterpedia, the Shadow Beast, the fighting force that served the Mafia. Worm pops out at the end of the, to say hi. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's not really a long uh, segment, so it's not a lot to cover. I, I forget, was it in this version or one of the others where, like, when Worm shows up, Melody's like, what a weird heartbeat. I can't believe that's even human. I don't remember. That might be the manga. Yeah. And now, boys and girls, the moment you've all been waiting for. Rate those deaths! Woo! Baby. So, right. first, we have our boy, Worm. Uh, I, I guess, technically because he dies by just passing out and dying. Maybe like a 2 out of 10. If you, if you count like him being obliterated, like an 8 at least. At least in my mind. I'm gonna give it a seven. I I do really like that it's revealed that he was able to survive it, but only by the barest margin and instantly die after, like basically mortally wounded him. Yeah, because like that means he was pretty fucking powerful if he was able to survive an explosion like that, even for a bit. Yeah, yeah for sure. I I think I give it a seven, just because it's cool to see that he managed to survive to, up to the very last second, and we actually see him die. Versus if you just 
was said that he died in the explosion. You didn't see his body at all. It probably would have been less impactful than that. But compared to the other Shadow Beast, I think it was the least interesting. Okay. So, Leech. I'm going to preemptively say I'm giving this a 9 out of 10. I would give it a 10 out of 10, but I reserve 10 out of 10s for ones that also have, like, a tremendous emotional aspect to them, too. But, like, in terms of just, like, sheer brutality, not seeing where the fuck it was coming from, like, this blew my mind when I was reading the manga the first time. Yeah, I, I definitely get, I definitely had a super Ufio 64 vibe on that one, so I give it a 9 out of 10. Yeah, I give it a 9 out of 10, too. Is this one of those things you didn't, you wouldn't expect him, you know, to take a little snack out of him, but he did. He and it worked. Snack, it was just like, literally. damn. Brutal. <laughs> he's, he's getting too freaky with his tongue and Ufo was uncomfortable. <laughs> no, he he, was just, he got turned on and just thought he was a snack and took that quite literally. Yeah, no, 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 no. So Leech was, Leech was giving him the bad suck and Uvo got uncomfortable. So he decided to, he decided to reveal to Leech what that mouth do. <laughs> Shit. Damn. I, I kind of want to edit the video of it. So it's just Leech saying like, ooh, little mama. Let me whisper in your ear. <laughs> hey, you little mama, whisper in your ear. It's just giant chomp. Yes. Uh, so yeah, rabid dog. Um, hmm, that's. I thought uh, thought it was pretty pretty violent the way he did. It. He shot the skull fragment out. It was pretty metal. So I'm thinking another eight out of ten for that, just because it was freaking brutal. I- I'm giving a nine out of ten because like it, the whole it going through his Nen defenses in his hand, but like. You know, rabid dog because he's a skilled warrior, having enough time to realize kind of what's going on—the horror of something that he can't stop. Yeah, that was pretty fucked. Sarah, um, I don't really, honestly don't really remember it as much. <laughs> to be fair, I did watch this episode like a little bit earlier, so I didn't his stuff didn't really say now to me. Yeah, to be fair, it was like really I might fast be giving, though. Yeah, I might be giving it stuff from the manga where it, it like is done in slow mo, basically. Yeah, because in the show, it's basically like a couple swift motions. Like, he bites his skull and then shoots out and kills him. So it's like less than like a minute Ooh, or two. Okay, I, I retract it. I think I'll give it a 7 out of 10 because I think what I like about it is manga, is more of the manga depiction. Yeah, I don't know. I still think it's free and brutal. So I'm still keeping that 8, solidifying that right there. I I think I'd give it like maybe a seven and a half, just because I don't remember. But now you've reminded me, I think the idea that he... The fact that he used, like, the skull piece from Leech to, you know, do the final blow, like a bullet, that's pretty damn cool. It's metal as fuck. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. So how about Porcupine? Um, I, I liked it. It's hard. Yeah, the thing is that I liked it better in the manga because, Same. like, his, you see his ears explode and blood shooting out of it versus the show where it just, like, passes the fuck out. I also yeah. like that in in the manga he didn't uh he didn't build up to it like he didn't suck in air like it was just like no Uvo can just yell this loud yeah what about you sir I I would say I probably give it because mm, visually I thought it looked pretty um strong like just the fact that he was hanging up in his own porcupine quills even though he didn't actually have, like, a direct blow. But the fact that it was basically Uvo's voice that killed him was pretty was pretty intense. So, yeah, I'll probably give it an 8. I thought it was pretty interesting. Okay. 
Okay, so going from there, uh, Patrick, you want to tell us about the manga? All right. So uh, the the one the spider tattoo is a lot more depicted, at least in the manga, to me. It was a lot. Maybe it's just because it was like actually you can take it in like the tattoo showing all his body direction. I think it's bigger here too. It's bigger and like I I don't know the I thought did the shadow beast react worse and the worse to that or was it the gang that actually that actually or the sorry the passione that actually uh, reacted to it more. I couldn't uh, remember. I think the Nostrade family reacted to it more. Gotcha. Alright, and I, I like this, you're in for it now, fathead, and it's the, the Shadow Beast, uh, parasite, uh, porcupine and rabbit dog just jumping into action, like swoosh. So that was kinda cool. Um, you hear him, you have him punch, and it looks like he punches, punches porcupine straight on instead of like the side in the manga. So it looks like he's punching him in the face, and you see this like little beard looking porcupine needles in him. It's kind of cute. A bit. And it, actually, it's a little bit more brutal because you can see the needles going through his hand. Yeah. I don't think they shoot, show that in the anime at all. So that's kind of major violence right there. Um, the most disturbing one is you oh, see God. the, you see the parasites and parasites all, uh, internal pics, um, of, uh, the parasites going inside of his body. And it oh, he's me... got that sick x-ray shot. <laughs> yeah. That's the, uh, that's definitely my least favorite X-ray shot. You know, Internal leech shot. Internal leech shot. Yeah, the impregnation shot. You know. Oh God. Yeah. Uh. Anyways. Yeah. You, you, it continues on the next panel after he pulls it out. I'm not sure if this is in, this is showing them in the body or it's outside the body. Like that's like you know the remnants of it. But I think I'm gonna it's assume the, it's inside the of the body. Oh uh, well, whatever. Either way is fucking gross. Disgusting. So it's way disgusting. I like I like the the smooth motion he has in there where it's like his head his head is just turned around and goes instantly to back to the neutral position like just Can we talk about chomp. the Junji Ito ass next shot? Yeah. Very next shot of Ito next shot, but it's like massive crunch. Do do you like the fucking question mark over Leech's head meaning he's still conscious enough to think like what happened? Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah, this is I think this is a lot more disgusting in this one cuz you see his part of his brain out oh my god the censorship is real in the anime adaption for sure and it goes uh it goes to the shouting thing and i like the way that this was depicted where it's <laughs> it's like he's just yelling ha and it's like ha going and it's just surrounding porcupine almost but i just like it and the way that it was depicted it looks like that they hear it instantaneously then close their ears versus being next being prepared for it yeah, I think they did less. Also, notice how Kurapika's like, no, I want to hear this bitch. Yeah, he's, he's like, dang, dang, this guy's to be spitting fire. Got, which, uh, which ancient Greek hero was it that asked to be tied to the mast of a ship while they passed the sirens so he could hear the song but survive? Cause it reminds me of that. Yeah, kinda. I don't remember who that was though, but I know what you're talking about. Was it Odysseus himself? Maybe it was Odysseus. I, it, your guess is probably as good as mine, so. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I remember in the Odyssey, Odysseus kept on getting into shit, and everyone's like, "Come on, man!" <laughs> I think it was. It yeah, I think it was Odysseus. Yeah, I think it was Odysseus. Gotcha. Yeah, then it shows the shows porcupine just like dead, the blood coming out of his ears. All uh, I don't know if you guys watch the boys at all. Nah. Oh well, there's this one character they they that one of the, one of the, the people just slaps, and his ears just bleed out. But I won't spoil it for people that want to watch it, but season two rocks, by the way, so 
Go watch The Boys if you haven't, audience. Not sponsored by The Boys, but totally looking for that Amazon money. <laughs> but sponsored by The Boys. The Boys, pretty much. Yep. And it's like saying, needle can't deflect sound. You want to bust our eardrums too. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know the, I don't know the, I don't know the, the logicalness of needles can't deflect sound, but you know, I guess that makes sense. And then I really like this, 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 uh, this picture of, uh, of what's his name? I don't know what his Franklin. name is, the blonde haired guy. Oh, uh, Shalnark. Yeah, Shalnark just squishing the bug. And then at the end, it, it cuts to the scene where it's like, Lyria, that's called 10. There's more, and then it's like, and like, Kill was like, figured as much. So it does what happened la- like two episodes ago in this, this chapter. And then you picture Shalnark squishing the bug. Squish. And then has the description of Shizuku, which I thought was interesting, where basically it's like a, she uses Blinky, a conjured vacuum cleaner, as a weapon. It sucks up anything that Shizuku wants. However, it cannot suck up anything that she considers living. It can also regurgitate the last thing it sucked up. Now, I didn't know that part. It's a Kirby of sorts. Yeah, except it's more creepy. Will it be in one piece if it's regurgitated? I think it's in however many pieces it was when it went in. Yeah. Gotcha. Unfortunately, they're probably not going to set tail on the grand line on that one, though. God damn it. <laughs> that took me a second. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, and then, uh, then the other picture, the, him driving, I don't, I, they did, so, so, I, I don't know if this is Photoshop or some bold thing, but it's just, uh, Krapka, telling the, uh, Uvo to be quiet and, Somebody telling Kropka to keep their eyes on the road, and it's—I don't know what's up with the mirror. I don't know. Wait, no, but who is that? I—I I don't know. That's the—that's the, the, in the, the manga. It's actually Melody. I don't know who this is. Is it the mask? But it's yellow, <laughs> so it can't be that. <laughs> no, I think it's actually the Chargers mascot, Boltman. Oh, are you sure that's not a Mega Man villain with that name? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll send it in the chat. But this is this is. It's a famous thing on uh, 4chan, it's like the It Begins face, but it's that. What the fuck? <laughs> um, so one thing I meant to say was in the manga version, Patrick kind of accidentally cut it off here, but Uvo is thinking about the chains around him, and he's like, wait, they got bigger. And so like it's implied that Kurapika, when he puts more Nen into them, he doesn't just... The Nen isn't the only thing keeping it strong. He actually increases the size of the chains, too. But that kind of fucks up some stuff late. Well, no, it doesn't. But basically, it hints at something that you'll find out later, and I'm surprised there's this much foreshadowing of it, but in the manga only. It's absent in both anime versions. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so Worm pulls Uvo under as he's getting punched, which I thought's kind of interesting. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, Uvo create, Uvo's creator is much smaller than, here than either the anime, either the anime is. Which is kind of, yeah, because the creator's pretty huge in the anime. It's like almost, well, the 2011 anime was like a giant, crater like a meteor smashed it it's huge in both like they really upgraded his powers in a way that i think is supposed to increase dramatic tension but like it's kind of weirdly inconsistent it's just anime stuff and then the the skull fragment has an end and not mad dog's hand as opposed to the opposite in 2011 so and then the uh and no build up here to Yuva yelling like we said before that he just he just shouts instantaneously and they cover it up so there wasn't any preparation for the cover-up. It's like, oh, he just yells, and they got to cover it up before that it gets the full the full yell amount. Don't know if that's scientific or not, but whatever. Well. Anyways, you want to go over the 99 notes, Joe? 
Yeah, I have a interesting little interchange between the first guy who shows up and Uvo, where Uvo says, what did you guys do with the stuff from the auction? And the mafioso basically says, what did you do with the people from the auction? Lol. So they hear... Here they mention that Worm is exponentially stronger underground, which I guess could explain why he survived. Um, I don't know if that's actually consistent with the manga because I don't remember a line of a similar sort, but that's kind of a cool fan theory. Um, you know, like as a Nen condition, like, oh yeah, I'll be a lot stronger underground or some shit like that, but I don't know. So here Rabbit Dog looks like Makintaro from Yu Hakusho when he's in the dog slash wolf form. And he, like the more he charges up his Nen here, he gets more and more wolfish. Wolfman. Yeah. So the explosion size here is gigantic, like in 2011, and Nobunaga says Uvo is basically trying to make it as strong as a nuke. Uh, in So one thing I don't like about 2011 is that they make it very clear that Kurapika's eyes turn red even through the contacts, while here only a couple pixels on the outer rim of Kurapika's eyes turn red, and you would only notice it if you were really looking. So in this version, neither the skull fragment nor the hand in the, you know, part where Rabid Dog dies has Nen around it. So it's implying like he just shoots it out and it's just super fast? Yeah. So basically, all three versions have a different configuration of which thing has Nen on them. There's there's technically a fourth combination, but none of them did it. So we'll have to wait for Hunter Hunter 2031. It's going to be sweet. We'll finally be able to get up past the election arc and then wait another 30 years for another adaptation. Yep. So here there is a build-up to the yell just like in 2011 and unlike the manga. I have a feeling that's very much just like a the anime needs to be more cinematic about it, like in terms of a build-up. And so while I prefer the way the manga did it, I think the way both anime did it is a natural conclusion to the way anime works. So another thing that's interesting is they play smooth jazz during the Uvo fight and in the Smiter hangout. Wow. Maybe they're just a fan of Kenny G in this universe. Yeah, you guys should check it out. It's It works, but not how you would think. It's, it's um, like they play Careless Whisper in their, in their lair. It's like... Crow, this is Crow. It's a Crow's like, this is my favorite song. To I just can't get enough of George Michael. Dance floor <laughs> to the hearts and minds. Never want to dance it down. That would also explain the sexy sax that played when Leorio showed up earlier. Exactly. Um, it, they're just a George Michael. He's, you know, he's a native of New York, so it's a lot of shows. He, he's from London. Anyways. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, in the English dub I watched, Shalnark says to drink fluids. He repeatedly tells, like, Uvo, drink fluids. And then Uvo says, yeah, I got it. I'll just keep drinking. You know, very <laughs> clearly, like, censoring it for kids with the, like, oh, you know, fluids. But then Uvo just being like, yep, going to do a lot of drinking tonight. Yeah, drinking or apple juice. No, no. He he very clearly doesn't say fluids. He just says, I'm going to just keep drinking. Fair enough. So in this version, Kurapika is explicitly not driving. So I think this is another instance of censoring it for the kids. They have Basho in the car, who's not in the car in the 2011 version, and he's doing the driving. Unfortunately, unfortunately Uvo also does the driving, but he's a little bit drunk, so another bad influence. Don't drink and drive, kids. So uh, with this group of episodes, like I just want to talk about a couple themes. We already talked about the thing with regards to the music, so we can skip that. But... Uh, I think this is something we'll talk about later more than now, but it's interesting to think about whether or not 
dealing with Uvo is the hardest or easiest person for Karapika to deal with first, but we'll get more into that later in the show. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting con- an interesting concept because well, he might be easy to Karapika, you know, maybe Karapika will have a harder time with the rest of them, you know. Yeah, I so I'm going to credit Say the X, uh our friend our our uh sister or cousin podcast. Um one of them basically points out that like Uvo might even though he's like the hardest for the grand majority of people might actually be the easiest for Karapika. Mm, that's fair enough. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Um but I wanted to talk on a subject regarding are you guys aware of the pro wrestling term jobber? Mm-mm. No. So it's a professional wrestling slang about a performer whose primary role is to lose to established talent. Oh, I see. So it's like they, it's like they're the person that loses the matches so that the talent can be, you know, the hero. Yeah. And generally they get built up beforehand. So they seem like they're going to be a big fucking deal. And so this also relates to another topic in pro wrestling called to put over or to over someone. So this refers to a performer whom the fans care about, either positively or negatively, or the act of making someone look good, often by losing to them. Wrestlers can be over as either faces or heels, that's heroes or villains. Yeah. The term suggests that the fans are buying into what the wrestler is selling, meaning his character. One of the most common ways a wrestler can be put over is by winning a match. It's also possible to put someone over by taking bumps or selling a move. That that last part is relevant to pro wrestling only, and I don't want to explain. Um, long story short... People give a lot of shit to the Shadow Beast, but I think they function perfectly as jobbers. The idea that they get built up to hell, and then you see one guy take out all of them, because it implies, like, oh, this guy's insane. Yeah, the way that they handled it, I've seen ahead, it's interesting with the Shadow Beasts. And once we get to the point where we finish the arc, I'll give my my thoughts on the actual my actual feelings of it. But I, I'm not sure how I feel about them towards the end of this arc, but maybe that might change in the future. Yeah, I think... I would have liked them to have been built up maybe a little bit more, but I do like their initial function of making just like the splash impact of Uvo just killing a bunch of like incredibly strong dudes. Yeah, and it, I mean, in all honesty, it's kind of spoilers that really not a lot of them are really used or explained very much. A lot of them just seem like they were, I guess, just there, even the ones that were semi-important. Well, like was... they get used, but it's off screen, and then you're just like, oh, it, they're dead now. Yeah, or they're dead, or you know, they're. Or they're, you know, they just don't do anything. It's like, oh yeah, him. So yep. we'll talk more about it towards the end of it when we digest the arc. But yeah, that's at least just my my feelings on it initially. So what do you guys think of this uh, section of episodes? I thought it was a lot of fun, personally. I I really enjoyed watching it, and and I really it really gave gave into the addiction of Hunter Hunter and made me want to watch it even more. Yeah. Same here. It's definitely, I like how the series so far has tackled on a lot of different types of genres in terms of storytelling. So this one seemed really cool because it had like the whole heist and mafia sort of vibe and now it's going to like a more traditional fight and revenge story on Grappica's end. So it's interesting how the two are intersecting. Um, and yeah, it's like suddenly all this action and plot is happening. It's just so easy to get sucked in and suddenly you only supposed to watch two episodes, but then you're watching like 10 episodes. <laughs> and then it's like, it's like nine in the morning the next day. It's like, oh shit. Nice. <laughs> that totally didn't happen to me, by the way. No, I was going <laughs> to say, I have a feeling that happened to both you and Hannah at various points. 
Yeah, I've been because spoilers, you guys watch... are way ahead now. Yeah, Sorry. I've been trying to only watch maybe like at most five episodes ahead, but it's tough. So I had it's to like tough. switch on and off between that and like something else. What else are you watching? <laughs> Skin I just Wars. Skin Wars. <laughs> I think you told me what this was before, but explain it again. Skin Wars is a reality competition show based off body painting. And it has legitimately beautiful art, but also just a bunch of weirdos who are contestants. And it's just fascinating to watch. Okay, yeah. so I got a question. How would Gama from Yu Show fit into Skin Wars? I think he would fit in just great. <laughs> he would vibe well with one of the contestants who was there, um, who was like probably one of the craziest people. Um, there's a spicy guy, Fieri, and then a guy named Gear who literally looks like he belongs in an anime. Yeah. The, when you told me Skin Wars, I instantly thought of like, it's some, some black market show where they sell off skin or stuff to oh no (laughs) no way like 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 whale wars or whatever no what i thought instead was like (sighs) fucking do you remember that show beast wars yeah Yeah. do you you remember the main theme where it's like skin wars and then like it just goes into like this yeah i just imagine everyone turns from beast to humans into skin oh geez (laughs) they're just like pieces of skin they just turn into fried chicken skin it's it's oh like god. it's like transform into weenus. Oh god. <laughs> Skin wars. Yeah, but yes, Wait, that's but what I imagined. I was going to say it's kind of funny cuz I'm doing the same thing with Oz. Probably not equivalent, but yeah, Oz is pretty pretty interesting. I'm almost done. I'm on season 4 already. That shows way too addicting. That's actually what I was watching before I started here or started this recording. What what sketch comedy show was it where they did a parody of Oz where it was the characters from Wizard of Oz in prison and fucking the scarecrow gets shanked and like his straw is falling everywhere? I'm pretty sure that's Robot Chicken. No. Or was it Family Guy? I don't remember. One of the, I remember no. Family Guy. It was just a bunch of guys singing in prison, washing each other with soap. I remember that one. I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, but they actually, I, I looked online, apparently they did, the oh, Seinfeld did Oh, it's Mad TV, I think. Oh. Oh, no wonder I forgot. Right? Is it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's Mad TV. It seems like a Mad TV. Probably. They're, they're actually, I was looking online, apparently Seinfeld did a crossover with Oz. And they had Jerry Seinfeld what? trying to talk. Yeah, they had, it was, it was Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, it was Jerry Seinfeld and George, Ale- George Alexander. Or yeah, whatever his name is, or George Costanza's character, and they're in prison, and Steers like like talking to like the the white supremacist Nazi, the uh, the J.K. Simmons, J.K. Simmons, and just trying to talk with him, and J.K. Simmons just gets tired of his shit, and like they're just nice. like, <laughs> it's just like the just Jerry Seinfeld in prison. It's so fucking stupid. Wait, who? Wait, actually, who said Robot Chicken? Because it's actually Robot Chicken. Oh, uh, it was me. Yeah, yeah, you're it. right. <laughs> it's a robot. Chicken. Yeah, I could have sworn I remember seeing that. You know, if you want to know why Jerry Seinfeld should go to prison, Google <laughs> Google Jerry Seinfeld 1738. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, God. 
Anyway, uh, I enjoyed this set of episodes. I, I really do think it put over Uvo in a good way. It's interesting in retrospect because the fan, uh, the, uh, Shadow Beasts don't seem as cool in retrospect, but at the time you're just like, oh, fuck. I remember reading the manga and going to bed on just like the introduction of the Phantom Troop and be like, man, wonder what's going to happen with them. And then I woke up the next day and then like later that day I was reading and I'm like, oh, fuck. You're thinking about them as you sleep. Yep. Su- Suza- was it Sh- Shizuru? What's her name? Shizuku? Shizuku? I was talking about the Shadow Beast, not the Phantom Troop, though. Oh, that's even creepier. Yeah, man, just think about it getting freaky with that tongue. Damn it. Anyways, thank you for listening to the Spirit Hunters. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat on our Facebook or Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod. Heads up. We finally did it and started a Patreon. Check us out at patreon.com slash spirithunterpod. Throw us some cash for hosting fees and equipment and join our Patreon-only Discord where we discuss the shit out of Hunter Hunter, Yu Yu Hakusho, and much more. Speaking of Discords, if you want in but don't have the funds yet, you could help us out another way and give us a written review on Apple Podcasts. Send us a link, your Discord name, and enough evidence to connect them both to you, and we got you. Each review gets us surfaced to tens or hundreds more people. Real quick, uh, we really appreciate the people who hit us up on Twitter telling us how much they like the the show and the like. And like, I, I really like hearing that. I like talking with you guys. I would point out that in the same amount of time it takes to tweet us, you could also probably just do it on there and, you know, get other people to listen to a show that you yourself enjoy. And then you have more people to talk about it with yourself. Well, you know what? Do both. Yeah, you can do both. Like, we'd love to talk with you. I bet other people would like to hear about it and talk with you about the show as well. It's all about building the community. I thought you were going to say Bill Nye for some reason. I don't know. It's all why. about Bill Nye. All about Bill, Bill Nye, Nye is now drowning. <laughs> Bill Nye the UU guy. <laughs> Anyways, heads up. Today's intro music was made by Studio M- Mega Ane. Check them out on YouTube, Twitter, and most importantly, iTunes. See you on the other side. See you later. Bye. Bye. Happy birthday, Karapika. そして道の上ただの言葉だけが一つ溶け出して